Welcome to Series 3 of the Bowen Buzz Podcast. My name's Chris Reed, and here we get to talk the buzz on all things Bowen therapy from interesting practitioners, trainers, and we also get to hear from experts sharing their secrets to assist Bowen therapists grow in their businesses and grow in their lives. So welcome to this very special episode of the Bowen Buzz podcast. Tonight, we get to meet John Wilkes and have a conversation. I've been wanting to have this conversation for quite some time. So welcome, John. Hi, Chris. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, morning for us here. And great. To, have, oh, yes, it is morning for you over there. I appreciate you having an early start for us. So, look, it's great to have you along. So, I, I just like to introduce you and, and tell, and you can fill in the gaps if you like. So, but John, you've been um, practicing Bowen since about 1995. So, you've been doing it for quite some time now. And you, you've been working in Bowen technique, but you're also quite involved in craniosacral therapy. And, um, but you originally studied music, and I'd like to have a little conversation about your music later on, if we could, uh, if we if we could do that. But you've sure. really been, you know, you're one of the um, the heavy hitters, I might say, in the bone therapy world, if I if I can say that, if you'd be to say that, because you're you've published six books, and we'd love to have a conversation about those two and the what what sort of got you to to come up with the ideas, if you like, or the areas of which you wanted to sort of. Uh, talk about in in those books so that's really good and you've you've uh, you also have a, a number of really uh, highly sought after workshops and i know people in australia really look forward to you when you come out here to um to do your workshops and they're always very well attended so as i said one of, one of the heavy hitters in the bone world and we're really uh really pleased to have you along to have a conversation with you today so uh, what else what else did i miss out there john now you also you also be president of the uh, the uk bone association well, I was, yeah, I was for quite a while. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I've had a, I've had a, had a. And also the Craniosacral Association of UK as well at one stage. Yes, indeed, indeed. Yeah, this this term heavy hitter, I'm not sure that's what that means. But, uh, <laughs> oh, it, might an, it might be an American term. Let's say it might be a baseball term. For Sorry, about that. Sorry about that, yeah. But that's great. Um, um, as I said, um, when I was, I was mentioning to a couple of people that I was um, having you on the podcast and they were very excited to to um, to be able to hear what, what we've got to say. So who knows, I might get to ask you a couple of curly questions along the way. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, by... I mean, what I suppose going back uh, a while, I got interested in kind of um, what what what's now really called body psychotherapy, and that in those ty- times it wasn't. This was in the seventies, uh, you know, because I'm of that age when in my <laughs> when I was in my twenties, and um, <clears throat> and also around that time I got I got sort of involved with um, meditation and yoga. And one of the things that I noticed with with um, meditation, particularly, was that it it obviously you 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 can and and I did go into kind of deep states of kind of stillness. And what one thing that I really noticed with that was how beneficial it was, not just for my mind but for my body. And um, and so I was kind of looking for a a therapy that. Um, helped people get into states of deep relaxation you know now nowadays we talk about you know more of parasympathetic state where you where kind of healing happens so i understand it more now but um at that point i didn't really understand it so i was looking for that and 
after quite a few years, I came across craniosacral work, as you mentioned. And that's really what I got interested in. Not so much from a practical kind of uh, fixing people's structural problems, uh, you could say, more from that kind of state of, of, in, uh, of a way inducing those states of deep stillness in someone else. So that, that's what that was kind of my interest. And then, uh, so I, I began to, around the same time as I studied Bowen, actually Bowen came a little bit first, but then I, I studied craniosacral therapy, which at that time was a year's course. Now, in some places, it's a two-year course. Um, and Bowen, um, ha- having having initially studied in all, all kinds of other things like reflexology and massage and all kinds of other techniques, uh, Bowen came along, this was, as you said, in 95, um, sort of a bit unexpectedly, really. Um, and I was really intrigued by it not knowing much about it. And I went on this course, which was a, in those days, as you probably know, was a four day course. And um, then uh, in those days, Ozzy and Elaine used to come over to the UK twice a year and they would follow up. We did this four day course, then we do a couple of days with them and they would kind of let us loose on the public. You know what I mean? So we didn't, (laughs) yeah. It was it was a little bit haphazard, and I certainly didn't really know what I was doing. So that kind of was what led me onto this whole thing about trying to find out. You know what what they say is that if if you really want to know something, if you really want to find out about something, uh, write a book about it. And so I thought, well, you know, like I thought, well, uh, I I I got kind of some ideas together. So that sort of forced you to, to investigate more deeply. Is that sort of... Yeah, definitely. Definitely, because I didn't really know. Well, as you know, in those days, I don't know when you trained, Chris, but uh, probably before me, but no. in... Um, you know, in those days, it was nothing was really explained very well because I think, quite <clears throat> understandably, it was a new therapy and obviously Tom Bowen didn't necessarily know what he was doing. That, in, in, uh, what I mean is, <clears throat> didn't know what he was doing. What he obviously didn't know what he was doing, but he didn't know perhaps more intellectually what he was doing, which is no fault. It's uh, because he was obviously very inc- incredibly intuitive. And maybe he did know, but he didn't explain it very well, apparently. That's what I think. I think Ozzy was there and, and, and noted what he did for certain conditions, right. but perhaps didn't either didn't ask or didn't wasn't told the why around the, the why we do why we do this for this condition or something like that. So Yeah, exactly. And, and also, uh, also, I think in those days, because it was such a short course, there was so much information to be part anyway, there wasn't really time for much detail. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, so I, I sort of began to develop my own kind of ideas about what we were doing. Um, and <clears throat> then I started teaching my, my, my um, back pain course, which, which brought in some more assessment stuff. And then, then began to look more at fascia, which at, at that time, so this is, this is 25 years ago or more, yeah, um, fascia was beginning to be talked about. There was this book, uh, Job's Body by Dean Juhan, mm-hmm. who we had actually on the health learning dean, um, and um, which was a very seminal book. I don't know if you've read it, but it's it's a very it was a very seminal book about the importance of fascia, and um, he had, he came up with a lot of ideas actually, which are which are still being taken forward now about how fascia responds to touch. And so, uh, yeah, so, so I began to kind of work with these ideas and work with them in practice and see how they panned out. And then began to develop these kind of 
yeah, ideas about what we were doing and that seemed to work in practice. So it's almost like we, we sort of, te- we sort of come across something and, and develop almost like a hypothesis and think, okay, we think this is perhaps, this is why Bowen does what it does, isn't it? It's almost like you see the result, but you're trying, yeah. almost like you're trying to work backwards and work out the why. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that's, that can be an interesting process and it can also be that like, you know, I'm not sure we're ever going to find the complete answers to it because it's so, so Bowen is so multifactorial and affects people on so many different levels that we might, you know, we might understand structurally or we might understand how it's perhaps working with the endocrine system or whatever it is. Um, but I don't think we really get the whole story. I mean, one, one, one of the things that, and I don't think that matters necessarily because it's quite nice to have a bit of magic around it. Um, <laughs> I mean, one of the things that uh, always amazes me, and I still can't really quite understand why that is. And when I have, you know, when I have bone myself, I feel it as well in my body. Is um, just like with the, you know, what used to be called pages one, two, and three, or now called BOM one, two, and three. Yeah. Um, the uh, the the deep um, kind of relaxation effect of that, which is actually quite specific. And a lot of people uh, will give similar reports of what that feels like. I've got one client who says, uh, he talks about going into Bowen land, which is the kind of this kind of very, kind of almost lucid dreaming, relaxed state, which is very kind of integrated into the body. And so that's kind of what I feel like there's a sort of everything in the body seems to come together. Somehow. I must, I must admit, it's very, I'm very similar. And, and it's really tricky when you've got a student working on you and you're trying to concentrate on actually what they're doing. And all of a sudden yeah. you, you sort of realise that, hang on, where have I gone for the last minute or two? You know, you're exactly. very <laughs> hard to hang in there sometimes, you know. It's, just, it's almost like you have to stop yourself from going there. It's almost like this Bowen coma, you know. You sort of- yeah, it's, and that's quite difficult to, to, to explain. I mean, you can explain it from the point of view of, like, oh, we're touching the body and you're activating all these different receptors and all that kind of stuff. And that's stimulating your parasympathetic system. But it's more than, I would say it's more than that. Um, because you can get that with, with massage to a certain extent or acupuncture or whatever therapy, but it's not, it's not quite the same as what you get with, uh, with Bowen. So I think, I think it's so multifactorial that um, we can see glimpses into it, but, um, and we can understand quite a lot of it, but I don't think, we should pigeonhole it. That's all. That's all. Yeah. No. I think that's going to be one of the problems with any of the research that we try and do. It's almost like we're going to have to really be very narrow on that, that piece of research and say, okay, how does it affect this? But you can't really, that doesn't give you an overall picture of how bone therapy does what it does. No, I mean, there was a, that, well, as you know, there's been quite a lot of research recently. There was a very good study. I don't know if you know about it done here in Bath and uh, not far from me actually. Uh, at the university um, around fascia bowen and um, dyspraxia, I think it was. Right. Which is really interesting. I'll send it to you if you like. Um, and um, it was, it's been published, I think, um, done two years ago. But anyway, the, the, the way they had to set, set that up was that because um, they were working with kids. And as you know, when you're working with kids, you know, you have a bit of a laugh and you have a, uh, you know what I mean? You interact with them. But in this, in this research project, um, what they had to do, um, they had a control group and they had the Bowen group or the fascia Bowen group. And they um, didn't speak to the kids. So they couldn't do anything else. So all they had to do is get the kids up on the table, do these Bowen moves on them 
and then send them away without any kind of interaction, which is so weird. Mm. You know what I mean? And you think, well, is that going to work? Really? <laughs> I mean, it did seem to work, but it's not, it's, it's, um, yeah. Yes, it's, it's I, and also that, you know, that the, 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 we know that the kind of part of the magic of any therapeutic interaction is the, ther- is the ther- therapist and the client interaction, isn't it? That's so powerful. That's right. So, yeah. you know, and that's not just placebo, I don't think. And I think, and I think obviously when you're trying to do these very clinical studies, you sort of certainly lose that um, interaction, don't you? Obviously, we, um, the one that they've just been published a little while ago out of New Zealand that the uh, Bowman Association put up with um, Kehoe as the main, uh, that's, it's come out. And, and that, they had a sham, they had the sham Bowen therapy in that one where they basically just touched the person in that spot where they would normally do the move. Yeah, but didn't go any further than that. Just held that position was was the sham. Because the interesting thing was that um, the when they were testing the sham to see whether it was a really good um, a good sham, the, the the people who were being tested on didn't. They all thought that the bone therapy was a sham as well. So it was actually it was really quite, it was really quite easy to come up with a sham because they didn't know whether they were getting real people or not. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they could do the least, uh, the least possible. But yeah, you're right. So, so any research that we do is, um, it, it is c- controlled and not as we would perhaps do in, in the clinical situation. But to, but to try and keep some sort of parameters around it, um, we need to, um, you know, re- keep it out as as fewer influences away f- outside of the bone as possible. Yes, and I, and I also think when we're looking at research, we tend to think of research as being trying to prove something like the Bowen is good for frozen shoulder or Bowen is good for back pain or whatever, which is, you know, so we're trying to prove to perhaps a medical establishment or whoever it is, um, some regulatory body or something, um, which is all well and good. But I'd also like, really like to see some research, which is which helps us as practitioners. Um, you know what I mean? Which is very, very different. And I don't know how that would be done, but um and, and I'd also like to see much more kind of dialogue somehow between practitioners about their experience of, of what works and what doesn't. So, um, yeah, there's yeah, a lot. To- we see that a bit in some of the forums, um, certainly on the Bowen Therapist Support Network. There's a bit of, you know, what, what would you do in this situation? And then you finish up with conversations around that. And I suppose... You know, some people are very perhaps dogmatic. It says, you know, this is what you do and you don't do anything else. But I think it's as we grow and learn with our bone, we, we can, um, like you say, share share experiences and share the types of things that we come across. Um, yeah, absolutely. To try and deepen that understanding perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no definitely. I mean, um, there's, uh, there's plenty of scope for that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think we've got an incredibly long way to go. I'd, I'd love to know where Bowen's going to be in, in 100 years' time. I've always sort of said that. What, what will Bowen look like? Or what will it, you know, will we have a, a deeper understanding when you and I are long gone, John, um, and the, the younger Bowen therapist, if we can keep Bowen therapy alive, certainly it's a, is, is another thing too, you know, that it doesn't just get sort of taken up as, a, as another form of soft tissue, hands-on work that often they're saying these days doesn't have much validity anyway. So I think it's, there's a real challenge to, um, to keep it alive and to keep it growing and, and to keep that understanding or to continue to sort of, you know, strive for that understanding perhaps, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? When you, I don't have an answer to that. When you, when you look 
generally speaking, at how therapies have have developed or or not. You know, um, some some therapies appear and then <laughs> they sort of disappear and then again. And but I think I mean Bowen is so so powerful. And um, that I don't. I, I think it will go from strength to strength. I think it's had a bit of a pickup over the last few years, perhaps. Yeah. Um, and of course, there is this whole debate, isn't there? Which is which is very difficult about keeping Bowen so-called pure. Which which I I find I'm kind of slightly sitting on the fence with, in the sense that, as we said before, there is a certain magic to Bowen, um, which we don't understand. And I think until we really understand it, we need to be careful about changing the rule book. And so, um, you know, I think we can we can explore, as, as I'm sure you do, you know, um, with 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 how we do the work. Um, and that's important, but not to kind of like throw the baby out with the bathwater and kind of reinvent ourselves or take a paradigm. Um, say, well, it's all around fascia, and therefore, if we understand how these receptors work, then we'll do it this way, and we'll do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we so we change it too much, and then we lose the original thing. I think. Mm. Um, yes. So yeah. I don't know. It's it's a very delicate thing. I think until we really really understand it, perhaps energetically as well, um, we need to kind of um, be be careful. Almost. Uh, Keep an almost open mind, perhaps, and, and be 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 um, acceptable to change in in, yeah. in some format. But it's usually I've often asked the question: When does when does what we're doing no longer remain as Bowen, or when when do we lose the? You know, it's interesting what the important bits are. If we can really identify what the important bits are that that makes Bowen Bowen, if you like, we can perhaps then be more careful around what what we what as you say what which bits of the baby and which bits of the bathwater. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it 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 is true, isn't it? And um, so, for example, um, without naming names, there are some approaches to Bowen which perhaps use a uh, a harder and a faster touch, right? So, yeah. and so you, I mean, and I and I know from my experience when I've had that done on me, I don't really like it and my body doesn't respond at all in the same way. And then you could look at research and see, well, okay, if you if you apply a bow and move like this and you do it hard and you do it fast, that the receptors will have a very different effect. They'll tend to create more, um, um, you could say tightness. So they don't have the same kind of relaxation effect on the tissues. But there's many factors to this. Um, so that that's a simple thing that you could say. Well, probably that's not not necessarily a good idea <laughs> in terms of where we go. And then you know, there's other other areas, aren't there? Like with the brakes, there's a lot of debate about that. So, is it Bowen if we don't do the brakes and we just do like lots and lots of stuff? Is it Bowen if we are either um, perhaps very 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 minimal? Like I know some people just. Like, for example, just do the bottom stoppers, right? Yeah. And that's probably something maybe that Tom Bowen did, but we don't really know, do we? Like, yeah. maybe he did on some people just do that. Mm. Um, is it Bowen if if we include kind of um, a talking therapy with it? And if we do kind of like psychotherapy with Bowen, we do a bit of Bowen and then we talk. Well, I don't, you know, 
and these are questions. I'm not saying I have yes. the answers at yeah. all. That's but there's lots, there's lots of areas on that. And I think if you look at the, you know, when, when we come across, say, look at the SP2 work, that there's, they're, they're, they're very different to what you would learn in the basic, uh, in the basic work, in the, in the one to six or whatever you want to call it, the one to seven, what we call the yeah. four out here. Um, I think those, the way that's presented, the, 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 um, the SP2 work is, is quite different in the, in, the way, in the way it's looked at. So obviously, I think Ozzy says, you know, okay, people who have been doing bone for quite some time now, you can, you can take this work and uh, decide almost, you know, what, what is your prerequisite is going to be for this or what, do you, what goes along with this or do you just do this on its own? So I think we sort of start to, it opens up a little bit those, those thought processes of, of you know, uh, how do I do my bone with this person? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think we, we need to be creative like that. But I think it's all about also understanding the principles, isn't it? I, I, often, I often thought, like with, with um, for example, because I teach, as you mentioned, I teach penisacral work uh, as well. And uh, so with penisacral work, the way it's taught, generally speaking, um, is that you might, it's more of an exploration. So you might um, put your hands on somebody and as you probably know, it's very static, a lot of the stuff. You're, you're, you're having holds maybe at the occiput or the sacrum or the back or whatever. And you might just hold that person for five or 10 minutes without really moving. Yeah. So in, in that way of teaching, what we tend to get students to do is do that. So they're feeling, you can say they're palpating, and then they interpret what they're feeling and what they might do about that, right? So there's that kind of process. So, and, but Bowen is not, is kind of the reverse of that. And, uh, and uh, the way obviously Tom Bowen must have developed his work is A, he did work with a lot of other kind of therapists and modalities clearly, and he was very intuitive. And so he, he would have like assessed people somehow whether that's through palpation or observation or both or whatever. And then he would have decided where he was going to move, right, in response to what he saw. Whereas the way we teach it is kind of the reverse in that we teach people to do stuff, right, <clears throat> without the kind of observation necessarily first. So, um, so the craniosacral work is, is kind of like the other way around. And I've often thought it'd be really nice to be able to teach Bowen from that perspective, so you teach observation and you teach the principles of Bowen and then, then they, people would apply it. But because we don't really understand the principles yet, <laughs> that's quite hard. Like how would you explain or how would you come up with the whole notion of the BRM 1, 2 and 3 and the effect of that on the body, right? So do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's difficult. It's difficult because we don't really, really still understand the principles of it. And, um, but I do wish there was a different way of teaching it, actually. Rather than, and I suppose, well, the way we teach it, I think, is historically, and I suppose it's slightly starting to change that if we're looking at more assessment because we weren't taught to do a lot of palpation early on. It was really just if someone comes in and they've got a sore back, you say, well, pop yeah. on the table, I've got some moves for that. Basically, like I've got a lower back procedure. You know, you've got a sore back. Certainly we go, okay, well, the lower back procedure is indicated, so we do that. And hamstrings may be indicated, so we do that. And perhaps if that doesn't work, well, then we might try coccyx because that's indicated for a deeper problem that hasn't resolved. You know, so there's, that's, yeah, yeah. I think, the way, and that was and no fault of Aussies, but that's what he understood. That's what he saw happen. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, and, and nine times out of 10, that works really well. Which so is that, amazing, isn't it? You can teach somebody yeah. something in four days and get incredible results. You think, my oh, God. That's the thing, yeah. That's remarkable. But I, yeah, but I think what, what I mean, it, from what I understand, and I, obviously this is all we don't know because we never saw Tom Bowen work, but it, it sounds like he was very good at, with his hands. It sounds like he was very good at palpation. Yes, no, I like, think he had a lot of that. Someone has said, "Oh, you've been to an bath or whatever those stories That's are." Right. You know what I mean? Like, so get out of here, whatever you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but um, uh, yes, yeah, so so I think I think it's very useful to for anyway um, for for practitioners to build up their palpation skills. Um, I certainly I've found the kind of skills that I got with Quentin Circle work really really helpful actually. Yeah, in that yeah, and I, I think. The, the more you get to, to experience your bone and practice your bone, the more bodies you get hands on that you can't, yeah. you, you can't beat. That's where you get that palpation from. You can't teach palpation really. So no. you know, it's almost like an, it's an, it's an, it's a, it's a growing thing. It's a, it's a experience thing, I think, isn't it? You sort of get yeah, the more you listen. I mean, people often say that, don't you? Like, you know, you, you, you're, you're working with someone and then you, you say, Oh, does it hurt there? And then you say, Oh yeah. Well, how do you know that? Well, you just know, cause like you can feel it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and john i have to ask about the work you've you, you've you've done a lot of work and written um with babies and children and pregnancy and um certainly a number of the questions that popped up when i said to people you know i'm going to be ta- having a chat with john wilkes um it was it was around that um that those subject areas and they're certainly you know it, they seem to respond incredibly well to bowen whether it be through pregnancy or with the way the babies really do respond uh, incredibly well, almost, you know, sometimes almost seems miraculous that a child can change so quickly with, with such a minimal amount of work, you know, yeah, um, yeah. and hard to explain how it actually, how it actually happens and why the baby does uh, really so well. So did, has there been anything that really in your, in your research and, and, and your, um, as you say, when you're researching a book, you really do, you, you go quite deep into the subject Mm. Is there anything that really sort of surprised you or um, anything that really sort of jumped out at you when you were sort of um, going through and, and having a look at those, whether it be the, the pregnancy and childbirth one or the, the babies? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think this, um, in my interest in working with babies really started from my own experience and looking at how, um, you know, early experience kind of shapes our lives, um, particularly what happens um, before we're born, actually, that, like the kind of things that mums are exposed to and generational factors and all that kind of stuff, but particularly around um, what happens at birth and how, how we're born can affect us kind of in all kinds of ways, but also structurally, you know, I mean, our jaw and our neck and uh, all kinds of stuff, um, which can persist. Um, I mean, for example, one of the things I noticed uh, a lot was the number of people with long-term migraines and headaches who'd been born by forceps. And I could feel that with my craniosacral work, I could feel what was going on. And that had persisted since they were born. And they might be in their thirties, you know. And, and, and then the other side of that was how fantastically quick Bowen was at addressing those things. Yeah. And with babies, when in my early days, when I didn't really know what I was doing, consistently, mums um, would report massive changes in babies, even after just one session of that, you know, the, the little baby moves that we did on the diaphragm and hardly yeah. anything else. So um, that really, really got my interest. And I, and I can still 
cannot really explain the, the powerful effect uh, of that on babies. And and you also see it with um, with animals uh, as well. Treating you know, uh, I do I do a bit of work on dogs and cats, and I used to I used to have pigs, <laughs> and I used to work on them. And I remember working on this this um, <laughs> was a few years ago now working on this um this piglet actually who i found in the we had an orchard and this piglet was um kind of like completely limp and obviously was not going to make it and uh, it was kind of lying on the proverbial runt of the litter <laughs> yeah it was and uh, it was a couple of days old and it was kind of panting a bit and obviously on its way out. Mm. And normally when you lift a piglet up, you know, they make all hell breaks loose. And this little thing was kind of completely floppy. But anyway, I, I, I literally did the kind of Bowen baby moves on it, like an around this run tire over this stuff. And literally it just got up <laughs> on its feet and ran off. You know, it was like one of those real miracle things. And I thought, what on earth is that? Yeah. <laughs> But I see that I see that a lot with uh, <clears throat> with animals and babies. Babies, I think, uh, are similar in that way because maybe they're more hydrated or their their systems are much more fluid. I don't know what it is, but why they're so responsive. But yeah, no, I I see it again and again. And I can't, as I say, coming back to the kind of magic of it, I can't really explain that because you can't. You, you could explain it in terms of, oh, it's affecting their vagus or it's affecting their diaphragm or it's affecting, you know, this, that and the other. But the effects are so strong and not just physically, but also kind of psychologically, emotionally in terms of like, in terms of kind of calming their nervous systems down a lot. Because you get, you get a lot of babies who are kind of fractious. Mm. You know, when they've been through a difficult experience. I find this particularly with babies who've been born through induction. Um, where, which is generally pretty hard and fast and out of control. And they, you know, they come into this world too fast and they're kind of startled and they, they do a lot of the kind of moral reflex and, you know, don't often don't sleep well. And then, you know, and then you do this, this Bowen stuff and, uh, it really affects it kind of, it's not just, it calms their nervous system down because that could, could be seen as a temporary thing, but it really helps dissipate whatever that charge was probably in their sympathetic nervous system and just allows them to integrate and settle into something else and i think i think what happens a lot of the time particularly with babies but also with adults is that our nervous systems get caught in a kind of cycle where we just don't know anything else like we can't access anything else and so when when we when we do these bowen moves then it helps the nervous system to kind of sink down into another possibility and particularly with babies that think, oh, oh, I can relax now, you know. And you see that all the time. It's, it's yeah. almost like a reset, isn't it? It is, absolutely. Mm. It, gives, it, gives a, it gives, I think it gives the body another possibility which perhaps wasn't available before, which mm. is to do with, with settling and integration. That's kind of why, why we have to be careful about this, um, I think, in terms of like how we go forward. I think, I think this needs a lot of respect as well. Um, and, and I kind of understand sometimes where Ozzy's coming, coming from about keeping it pure. Obviously, Ozzy's experience with Tom, as, as, as was stated very clearly early on, was his, his uh, vision or his interpretation of what Tom Bowen was doing. And, um, and that's, you know, but 
having said that, it, there's something very, very magical about it. Yes, yeah. I think you're right. And the, the way that, like you say, the way that babies respond, I often say to my students that um, it's almost like the hard drive of the baby is, is, is really, really empty. There's not a whole lot going on there. So it's really easy for, the, for, change, for it to accept accept the work if you like accept the change but i think it's incredible when you i suppose we think of babies that are are, are are very young the amount of growth and the amount of change the amount of neuro neural activity that's that's occurring every day you know the amount of change that's, yeah, that's possible every day you know we've we've yeah. uh, very lucky to recently have our first grandchild and just being able to sit back as a grandfather and watch this watch this child progress so quickly you know i know every grandparent thinks that their child's a genius their grandchild's a genius but but they, they change so fast and they learn so fast i think when you're a parent sometimes you don't have time to see that or, or perhaps uh, uh to ponder that but uh, you know so i think the work like you say um and there's a couple of gems in there that we were talking about giving, allowing the body to see another possibility i think it's a lovely a lovely phrase yeah i think a lot of people do get caught in in cycles of, of uh, you know, not, not particularly uh, in terms of like continual stress or anxiety. I mean, for example, what, one of the things that happens a lot, you know, people get caught in their fight or flight we talk about or their sympathetic nervous system. And um, one of the symptoms of that, for example, is a racing mind. You know, when people say, oh, I can't switch off my mind, you know, I go to sleep and my mind's going round and round and round. Well, that's a clear indication that their sympathetic system is active. And that can, you know, if that goes on, it can lead into anxiety and even depression and all that kind of thing and affect their health badly. So um, if, um, this is something we definitely do in Bowen, if we can break that cycle and, and just allow the body to see another possibility, then it will take that opportunity. Uh, often, often it will. And so that's that kind of what we're doing, I think, a lot of the time. And it's very powerful. And and we might think that someone just going to sleep on our couch or going into, you know, it is just, well, okay, they've had a good rest for an hour, but it's not like that. These, these, these changes are really, really uh, profound. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's what really, we see that and often sort of sets us apart. You know, I think it's rather remarkable really, but as, I, as you say, we, we get to, you continue to explore the why and and how that how that occurs, but uh, without sort of um, yeah messing it up too much, you know. I, I yeah, think- I mean, that's, that's I think that's the challenge for us going forward, really, to to explore this with respect. Obviously, we do need to explore it. I mean, even in, in my practice, and I'm sure the same with you, Chris, that you know there are some clients or that we can't help. Um, well, I mean, that's going to be always be the case or that we feel that we need to understand this more so that we can, you know, we can apply Bowen or whatever it is better. So um, that we obviously need to do that. We need to refine our, our technique and we need to be able to explain it a, a little bit more. But I think so we have a lot of concepts already that help to explain it. Things like, you know, tensegrity, this whole idea that, the, that uh, which was actually true of osteopathy that how osteopathy developed in the first place you know mm-hmm. but over 100 years ago which was looking at the role of connective tissue and fascia and muscles and and how they were the important thing in maintaining structural you know things like posture and structural irregularities and that kind of stuff so just to explain be able to explain well why why are we not crunching people's bones like an osteopath or a chiropractor right 
Well, because it's the fascia and the ligaments and the muscles that hold our skeleton and our spine and our joints in relationship. That's why we do it. And and we could get we could get cleverer at that for sure. We could get much cleverer at that. Mm. Yeah. It, it, and it's interesting. I was reading the the research I, was, I mentioned before that come out of um, New Zealand. Um, what was that based on, Chris? That research? I haven't seen that one. I oh, haven't seen it. I'll, it's no. not long been published, and um, I'll certainly get a copy across to you. It was looked at looking at widespread chronic pain, so not an easy subject, but it's certainly okay. a, a really important one. And they had. Um, they had people um, in that basically were diagnosed uh, medically with wide, widespread uh, chronic pain. So they had, had to, they had to have it for a certain number of times. They had to have pain in, in different areas of the body. Um, they basically got six bone treatments and they set up, as I said, they set up a sham group as well. So um, some people got a sham and some people got the real bone and they were right. able to, and they're looking at um, heart rate variability yeah. Um, as a measure of, and, and skin conduction. Um, and um, the interesting thing that came out of it was that there was actually immediately after the Bowen, there was actually a sympathetic response by the body, not a parasympathetic response, which right. everyone went, oh, no. That's not what we thought, you know. So it's it's a, it's a the the, the, uh, the research is a failure. But but really, the they're testing the hypothesis, the fact that we thought there's a, there's a, uh, a parasympathetic response. But I and I'm I'm actually reading it and going through at the moment and, and putting together a bit of a a bit of a paper on it myself at the moment on on the actual research. And it'll be interesting when you do have a look at it. I'll be really keen for your thoughts. And um, because I, I think we often see this. Um, we often see with Bowen that people the, the next day have this response or they have this like almost a like healing crisis or this, they, they get a bit worse before they get better sort of thing. So I'm not mm. surprised necessarily that there was a, um, that there seemed to be this immediate parasympathetic response by the body. But then on reading a bit further, we, we see that, um, it can actually cause a response in the body that gives you this hypoalgesia. So they sort of get the, they get the relief a little bit, but then you might get, um, you know, it takes time yeah. for, for that for that um, for it to work, so or for it to have that complete change. So yeah. it's um, it certainly needs to be investigated a bit further. But that was a, a really interesting outcome because it where there was a this, it proved that there was um, a change in the bone therapy people that the that the, the bone therapy group had um, reduction in their pain, uh, right. short term reduction in their pain. Um, and the sham group didn't. So there was that. There was that. They could certainly see that that happened. But there was. It's interesting that, that we got this. And I see Keo himself, uh, the lead researcher, is going to be um, uh, talking about it in in New Zealand uh, in a couple of weeks' time. And I saw that he wrote that it may change the way we approach our bone therapy. So I'll be interested to see what he what he's going to do. But but that then lends itself to what you were saying before that we don't necessarily change our practice based on one result from one treatment from one. Uh, one research study as well. No, no. I think um, these things are these things are very extremely complicated. I think when you, particularly when you look at chronic uh, pain conditions like fibromyalgia, whatever they are, and um, I mean we've on eHealth Learning we've had um, Steve Haynes um, a few times who wrote this book on pain is really strange, and there's been you know 
your fellow Australian, Laura Mosley. I don't know if you're familiar with his work around. Lovely, the, lovely fellow. <laughs> yeah, amazing stuff. <laughs> and I mean, the way he, you know, he's so funny, isn't he? The way he describes like how pain, particularly chronic pain, how it, that really works and how yeah. it's so much to do with context and perception and all that kind of stuff rather than sort of like some neuron far enough. Um, but yeah, so I think it's I think it's incredibly complicated, and and with chronic pain, there's a whole cascade of stuff going on, and that's going to be different in different people. I mean, one of the things that interested me um, a while back, in fact, we had um, we had a whole series on eHealth about um, the vagus nerve, and um, I used to organise conferences in London, and we had Stephen Porges, who developed the whole polyvagal thing, come over a few times. And on one of those presentations, he was he he was talking about his one of his um, students had done a research which he quoted, which is very interesting, looking at um, yoga. So people who go to yoga, um, and it was measuring their heart rate variability after a yoga session, and with some people within those classes, it was in New York, um, their their sympathetic system was quite highly elevated for a while after the yoga, which was very unusual. And those those people seem to be associated with people who'd experienced some, some kind of trauma. So their nervous system reacted differently to what you might expect. And then it, and then it took quite a while for that to settle back to to kind of normal again. So that's very interesting. So I think I think all these things are complicated. And again, we can't jump to conclusions, as you say, that uh, we could then say with certain kinds of people, we might have to change our practice. We just need to know more about it, I think. So, You're right. so, so treating people with widespread chronic pain, might you might get a different uh, um, res- result from the heart rate variability um, measurements yeah. than you may with another group that don't have that type of condition. Yeah, I mean, and particularly with um, uh, with people who've experienced trauma, and you're, obviously you're not going to know necessarily no. uh, people's level of trauma. I mean, it's the same thing with people with um, chronic fatigue, probably this kind of long COVID thing that we're getting a little bit here. Mm. Um, where where you know they talk about post-exertional malaise so um and that can happen also after a bowen session sometimes if you do too much they go into a reaction i remember or the same with autoimmune conditions again how we how we work with them i remember when i in my early days of working with someone with lupus which is an autoimmune condition and um i worked on her knee and that night she said her knee was (laughs) got so hot she actually had to put it under a cold tap, you know what I mean? And then it got better, but it was like, you don't really want those kind of reactions either, do you? You want, you want, you know, maybe a reaction for 24, 48 hours is fine, but beyond that, it's not really that helpful. You don't want people to go into overwhelm, either physical overwhelm or emotional overwhelm or their immune system going overwhelmed. So it's like how we, how, I think how we understand that is really important. And because um, and I think we sort of we we do touch on that, don't we? And, and Ozzy have always said, you know, less is best. And and if some of the the worse somebody is, or or the more that per, the more that body is actually struggling or un, or under pressure, if we can yeah. do less, they may get a better result. 
And I think we've, 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 we've all heard that, haven't we? I think that sort of bears that bears that out, that you're not necessarily looking for this great big, you know, uh, no. couple of days perhaps for them. You know, the, if you can do it more moderately, um, it, you might... Uh, you get yeah, no, absolutely. Because hmm. we're basically asking the body to do something, aren't we? In, in a way, we're asking it to respond. Well, I've certainly found that with, with kind of fibromyalgia type people, you know, and on a particularly, I guess, on the first treatment, because we don't know how they're going to respond, to be cautious on a first treatment and then kind of gauge it. That's always a good idea. I mean, it's amazing. I find amazing the number of times someone comes for a first treatment and they help, they'll have that big, let's say for a better word, a negative response. In they, you know, they really get a big response as in they might feel like they've been hit by a bus or something the next day. But it generally yeah. doesn't happen on subsequent treatments or it may then perhaps they don't come for six months or they don't come for 12 months and they have another, they may get it again. But it's interesting that it doesn't happen that second or third week, does it, or fourth week? No, I find that very interesting. I think that's why we need to be cautious on a first treatment generally, mm. um, not do too much and just kind of see how they respond. Mm. And um, and that's I think that's quite difficult to know because I think sometimes it can be like you know how what their immune system is like what their general energy uh, is like how resourced they are but also looking at uh, old accidents I mean one thing I have noticed is that people who t- uh, and you get this a lot with kind of <laughs> kind of business people people who are very driven and maybe they've had an accident a car accident in the past or some something very traumatic. And they've basically just got up and the next day they're back to work and those kind of people where, the, where they kind of suppress stuff a lot. And, uh, and uh, you know, you do your bow and treatment and all hell breaks loose. <laughs> body wants, the body wants to be listened to. Um, you know, it wants to be listened to and it should be listened to because, you know, if that situation goes on for years, it's not going to do them any favours. So it's not always bad, I don't think. It's like how much can you you need to keep them on board and you need to not overwhelm their system too much, I think. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you're talking about that. I'm thinking about the, the work you did in um, and organised the work in Bosnia and, and um, El, San Salvador after the yeah. you know, war, after the difficult, you know, the, the um, war times and things like that. So people going through that type of trauma mm-hmm. or even natu- after natural disaster and things like that sort of comes into the same sort of category, doesn't it? Yeah, I think particularly, I mean, I know that project is still going on actually in, um, in Bosnia, but um, uh, I think what the situation there was, um, it particularly we were uh, working in Sarajevo at the first, uh, this was right after the war. So they'd been in kind of a, um, a siege situation for, I think it was about four, four years or something like that. Mm. So they, uh, and the base, you know, getting the basic necessities like water and, and food was a daily high level of stress. So a lot of them, people, a lot of the people had these kind of chronic kind of stress situations, which really affected them badly. So that was a bit different than other people in certainly in places like Central America, where they where they perhaps were suffering more from kind of PTSD kind of symptoms, uh, where you had to be really careful because they would have massive reactions just from being touched. You know, like you know, people think particularly have been through abuse or war or rape or torture or all these horrendous things. Touch can be associated with all kinds of negative things. So how we, you know, that we have to be very careful about that. But yeah, that was great. I, I really, um, I'd love to do more of that kind of work because it's so, um, it's so wonderful um, to see, to see the results of the bow and 
Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it behoves us to take a breath and sit back and, and, and really think about who I've got walking into, who I've got sitting in front of me at the moment as a, as a client and, you know, how, you know, where do I start and how much do I do and really rather than sort of getting into that, I'm not saying that people do this, but, you know, you wouldn't want to get into that cookie-cutter situation where we go, okay, I'm just going to do the BRMs and the kidney and on you sort of thing and, you know, without yeah. sort of necessarily really thinking about what, what do we do here? You know, where do we start? Yeah. How, how much do we do? And, you know, what, what's going to be the process, you know? Absolutely. And we can explain that to people, can't we? We can say, well, look, I just want to start gently today. I don't want to do too much today because I want to see how you respond to this. And then maybe next week we'll do more, you know. Most people will be fine with that. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, a good, it's a good way of working to be, to be cautious. Yeah. 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 Right. John, I've got a couple of questions from people that, as I said, and as I said, a lot of it was around the, um, around pregnancy and, and children and babies and, and that. And um, someone asked about um, multiple early miscarriages and, and wondering about your, have you got any thoughts around that at all? Well, it's such a difficult area. Yeah, I, I, um, to be honest, I don't really. I haven't worked with that that much. And I think there can be all kinds of um, reasons for that. Um, sort of, um, you know, uh, what's going on with them, with them physically and perhaps, perhaps maybe even psychologically, I don't know, mm. and even nutritionally. So I think, I think um, in terms of, of, of Bowen work, um, what we do with Bowen, and it of course it depends at what point the miscarriage happens. Yeah, they're saying so, early, early miscarriages. Yeah, right. So that can be that can be issues with kind of like implantation, and what we're doing with Bowen is um, increasing. Definitely, we're increasing um, cellular health, definitely, and tissue health, tissue fluidity. You know, we're encouraging um, fluid exchange in the tissues, which is going to create healthy tissues, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think I, I, rather than saying, well, you need to do this procedure or that procedure yeah. or whatever, you know what I mean? Like if you think about womb health, what's going to affect womb health? Then obviously working around that area, working nerve supply to that area um, is going to be, is going to be helpful. And, Generally speaking, it's always a good idea, um, ideally before someone gets pregnant, but if not, then during the pregnancy, to work um, around things like pelvic alignment and that kind of stuff, because that has a massive effect on um, positioning of the baby and all that kind of stuff. Generally speaking, I don't know what you feel about this, Chris. I, I generally say that it's, it, you know, I, I generally don't advise people to work in the first trimester but I, but I, but I know that um, um, I can't remember who it was now. Some um, obstetrician who was a Bowen therapist disagreed with that. And if you had a situation of of, of uh, miscarriages, um, then she was suggesting you should. But I don't, you know, I don't have any view on that. I just think you have to be careful in the first trimester. I, I think mainly I because that. mainly because someone could blame you. Well, that's right. There's a high instance. There's only, was it three out of five um, early pregnancies will miscarry sort of thing. So, um, 
And yes, you've got that um, that risk there, I suppose, uh, is part of it. She was, yeah. I was just, I'm just when you were talking, I was trying to uh, think of that uh, lady's name. She was an obstetrician or gynecologist from America uh, who yeah, presented, course, yeah. you know, who presented yeah. manly, I think, uh, at, at our conference. That's right. uh, yeah. Very interesting lady talking about um, using Bowen to help um, turn breech babies uh, when women yeah. were really unsuitable for cesarean. Uh, sure. You know, and obviously, yep. if we can, if we can avoid cesareans purely because the baby's breech, um, you know, that would be that would be a great thing. Um, I know, even at the Royal Women's Melbourne Hospital here, the the um, breech team they used to have a breech team that they would bring in for a, right. a vaginal breech birth, but they've actually disbanded. So they there really isn't much of a. You know, it's quite difficult, I think, to to um, have your have your baby naturally. Um, uh, if it's breech, these yeah, they, don't, they always do cesareans here now on breech babies, which is okay. yeah, it's quite a specialist thing, I guess. If you, mm. but yeah, it is. I think that's a pity. And and yeah, Bowen is so fantastic at 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 helping to turn babies. That's remarkable. I remember she was keeping yeah. some really good results and some stats. I'll have, I'll have to look up her name and see see what she's up to at the moment. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and- I would. Just- going to someone special who specializes in this actually because i think there can be lots of factors around this yeah yeah okay um that's great and uh, someone else asked about and i think we touched on it before about ask john for any tips on developing the incredible su- a sense of touch that you have in your fingers is what she said this <laughs> what, sure what's your secret anyway. <laughs> is it just hands uh, on thousands of people is, is that what it is you know that story about the guy, uh, uh, the violinist, wasn't it? At um, outside the Carnegie Hall, and he was and he he was asking directions to the Carnegie Hall, and he said, "How do you get to How do you get to Carnegie Hall?" And he said, "Practice, practice, <laughs> practice," <laughs> which is great. So uh, yeah, it's just like I think it's just like. Um, you know, just putting your hands, put, putting your hands on people is 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 just all it is. And listening, I think it's just it's just doing it. You know, I mean, you can do that quite quickly. Um, just when you're when you're putting your hands on someone to make a move, or um, particularly around the neck. You know, I know that Tom Bowen used to spend quite a lot of time around the neck, apparently. And and um, you know, you can feel a hell of a lot if you just put your fingers around the back of their occiput before you do those moves, and. Um, and just get interested. I, what I find is that what is significant is the things that are unexpected. You know, you put your hands on it. Oh, I didn't expect that. That's really interesting. And then you can follow that up with other observations as well. You know what I mean? You're not just relying kind of on what you feel. You you back it up with the oh, when they stand up, their head is off to this side or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. It's uh, practice, practice, practice is a, is a great way to do it. Now that brings us back to the, the music, as I said at the start. Now you're, a, uh, I've seen you play the flute on stage. Uh, it was uh, right. well, you play, the, you play the sax, right? Well, I've got a saxophone in the background. I don't want to say that I play it, but as if it's oh, right. okay. probably more of a prop than me getting it out to know. I've sort of have a blow every now and then, but uh, but certainly not to your level. So you do you play with symphony orchestras? Is that what you've done in the past? Is that um, I've mostly did got up. Well, I, I studied music at university, so and um, yet I taught um, flute for 
for many years before doing Werner stuff. And right. um, yeah, so now I, t- I, I do still play um, with orchestras and with little, um, you know, I mostly do chamber music. But obviously at the moment, nothing's happening. We haven't no. had any. And I, would have thought, I would have thought chamber musicians and, and uh, flautists and things would be good clients with no all the awkward positions they've got to keep their chins in and, and all that sort of thing and the arm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've seen a lot over the years. Orchestra. <laughs> Um, violinists, you know, because you've got this weird situation with your mm. hand like mm. this. I think I think the most extreme musician I ever treated was a hurdy <clears throat> a hurdy gurdy player. I mean, you probably don't know what a hurdy gurdy is. It goes around and round, doesn't it? It's like, a, <laughs> like it's, an organ grinder. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. But it's an incredibly awkward thing to play, and he had this horrendous kind of wrist bump. That was quite funny. So, now, do you um, got any uh, any new books in the in the uh, offing? Any any no. any manuscripts that are partly done or ready to go off to the publisher? No, to be honest, these days I don't think of, uh, no. Um, these days I'm concentrating on um, on our e-health platform and doing. So that's, and that's an amazing resource that you're putting together there. Like talk about, I mean, you are publishing, but you're publishing digitally these days, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, and so we do, the moment we're doing, on average, about three, four, three or four webinars a week. Yes. So on subjects around health, and we have a lot of Bowen stuff. Chris, you know, we've done Q&A stuff around Bowen, haven't we? We have a lot mm. of things. So we'll certainly pop the, we'll put the links to, to eHealth Learning into the, um, into the show notes here, and certainly um, some links to some of your books as well. I used to love the, uh, the very first, that little book you did, Understanding Bowen Therapy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the little one. Um, I used to love giving yeah. that to clients, you know, almost as a, um, a bit of a hit. Have, have a look at this and, and take it home with them. You know, it was like $5 yeah. or something like that. So it was a great little resource to have. I know we got about a 1000 on that when we came out to the conference that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting how that happened. I was originally asked to do one on uh, craniosacral work, which I did, um, uh, same kind of format. Uh, with like 50 pages thing for, for clients. And then they said, no, I suggested doing one on Bowen. Um, and they thought, well, they at that time, they didn't really know what Bowen was. And actually that booklet is is, is their best-selling um, book. There you go. So is, uh, is it still in print? You can still get it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's sold, I don't know, like 50,000 or more. Right. So we'll, we'll definitely put the links to that one. Is that through Amazon or something? Where do you... Um, or is there a you, link to buy it online? You can get it through my, my website, which is therapy-training.com. Well, I'll certainly get those links off you and we can pop those in the show notes. So yeah, you better get ready to, to send out a few boxes worth, I think, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, just, just to probably finish up shortly, John, the, um, I've had a question around this area, someone uh, interested in the area of anxiety and mental health. Um, yeah. and, and, and bone therapy. And it's interesting, we did some, uh, we had a, an expert do some SEO work uh, to seeing what what people are actually searching for when they're looking for bone therapy. And the, the biggest thing was, can bone therapy help anxiety? It was one of the really? searches that people put into Google. So yeah. I think if anyone's out there and they haven't got the word anxiety in their website or talking about it in a blog, it would certainly do them some good because people are searching um, for that. So just thoughts around anxiety and mental health. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? Cause I, I didn't, I did see this report recently, particularly with the COVID thing that, um, searches for kind of things like anxiety, um, and self care 
have gone up like hundreds of times mm. um, recently. So yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yes. So anxiety. I mean, I think you know we can we, um, we can definitely have a massive effect on on that um, through, as I said, you know, getting people to drop down into their more their parasympathetic because because anxiety is mostly to do with an overactive sympathetic nervous system uh, where people can't switch off as i said earlier it's to you know with your with your mind racing um that kind of thing so it's a kind of stress response really and that stress response can go into um depression if it's left too long mm. so um so again it's kind of breaking the cycle so um, when we're trying to calm people down, you could say getting you know getting getting out of that sympathetic situation. Um, things I, I tend to use um, kind of slower moves, kind of slightly deeper moves. That has been shown through fascia research to really strongly activate the um, sympathetic, particularly it activates the hypothalamus, actually. And that has this calming effect on the nervous system. They've done quite a lot of research on this, actually. So it's like what, we, what, what is sometimes called, what Robert Schleip taught, calls slow melting pressure. Yeah. is the best thing. You can also get it, actually, with very light touch as well, uh, which we don't do so much of in, in, in Bowen, but these kind of like what they call very slow brushing, but we don't really do that. And um, the other thing is um, uh, with, with kind of light moves, like the, you know, the, the, what we used to call the headache procedure or the head procedure, mm. um, the coccyx procedure, those kind of things have a very, very powerful effect on the sympathetic nervous system yeah. as well. And you can kind of see it in when people lie on the couch. So what, what you, the things you're looking for are, are, are typical parasympathetic reactions where people feel like their stomach starts gurgling, they feel sleepy, they sometimes feel cold, you know, they want another blanket on. Mm. Those kind of symptoms, sorry, not symptoms, but um, reactions are really, really good. Those, those are the kind of things you want. And obviously you don't want people nattering on during a treatment. You want to really create safety that they feel contained i love the quote from one doctor i can't remember what his name was he said like if you want to care for your client care for your client and i really like that you know the way we are with somebody um like for example someone who's very anxious will often move very fast they'll often mm. speak very fast those kind of things um and you know, you know about like with mirror neurons and all that kind of stuff. We can, we can again by just slowing our voice down a bit, slowing our movements down a bit. Because it's when you're with someone who's very activated, it's very easy to get caught in that activation, and you start speaking fast and blah, 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 you start doing stuff fast. But actually, you want to you want to consciously slow yourself down, and bring yourself back. So. Um, on a more energetic level, I find that that's really helpful. Yeah. Mm, terrific! That's great. Great. Look, it's been a it's been a a, a great uh, a great conversation, John. We could sit here for another hour, but I think that would be a very long podcast. But maybe we'll do it another time. <laughs> maybe we'll do another part two another time. But I really appreciate your um, 
your thoughts and, and your, your wisdom. Um, and, you know, I look forward to following you on, um, on e-health learning and the, the things that, that you're putting out there. I think it's uh, certainly a lot of the, a lot of it is to do with Bowen and, and often Bowen related anyway. Yeah. Fashion related. We fashion do a lot of related. Yeah, yeah. And the other, the other platform we we're developing now and well, it's up and running now is, uh, ourbirthjourney.com, which is more specifically looking uh, for uh, at therapists who are supporting mums and babies. Um, as well as there's a lot of stuff on that. We do, we do them on Thursdays. So um, that's Thursday evening. That'll be Friday morning early for you lot in Australia. Right. Okay. right. <laughs> well, put, get, I'll certainly be chasing you for these links. So we can pop them in the show yeah. notes and, and people can, um, can follow through on them. So that, so, um, so yeah, I, I think I'll, we'll, we'll leave it there, but I really appreciate um I really appreciate your time and um, it's always good to, to follow, follow along. And, and if people want to access any of your books, I know I've, uh, I've got them, uh, I've got them in my library and uh, they're, they're a great resource. So, so thanks for all that you do for Bowen Therapy, John. Oh, thanks Chris and you. Yeah, you're doing a great, great job. Great job. Um, yeah. We'll pat each other on the back there. Will we know? <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I, I really, uh, really enjoy talking to you and, uh, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. So thanks very much for being part of the Bowen Buzz. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Bowen Buzz podcast brought to you by Geelong Bowen and Remedial Therapies and Bowen Buzz Training. If you'd like to help keep the lights on and assist the ongoing production of the Bowen Buzz podcast, you can hit the donate button and we thank you for any assistance given. I'd also like to thank Louis Reed for our original music. I'm your host, Chris Reed, wishing you all the best till next time. Enjoy the buzz.